In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So this last Sunday, last Sunday was, of course, our nation's national holy day of competition and consumption known as the Super Bowl. And there, I had a strange experience watching, well, not actually the Super Bowl, but one of the commercials in the Super Bowl, I think it was only played once, and it was towards the beginning, and it was the commercial where uh, Serena Williams, I think that she is in a, uh, the locker room of like a high school or college men's basketball team, which in itself is a little bit, they just let her walk in there, but anyway... She's giving this rousing speech to the players like, we're down and we're going ta- we're, we're to come back and we're going to take this back and we're going to go inch by inch and we're going to fight our way back and we can do it. And as she's saying all this, there's all of these things flashing on the screen like there's ballerinas and there's doctors and there's all kinds of people from all different walks of life performing at the top of their game um, and you're kind of wondering, what is, this, what is this actually about? I mean, this is sort of an inspiring commercial, and it's cool to see all these people doing all of these great things, and, but what are we actually talking about here? And then all of a sudden flashes on the screen um, an image of some brown liquor being poured into a nice uh, glass on a bar, and you're like, aha, I know what this is about. And sure enough, by the end of the commercial, this rousing speech about how we can all succeed and achieve and fight inch by inch to take back what belongs to us is actually about booze. So there you go. That's what it's actually all about. And it's like... and. But the thing is, is that it's just this weird little flash where it's like all of a sudden it's this premonition of what is to come. This is what this is all about. Here it is on the bar, a, gla- a, a, a crystal cup, and into it is being poured brown liquor, and this is what this commercial is all about. And that's sort of what Jesus is doing in Transfiguration today. He is giving us a premonition, a flash beforehand as we are, as he says, picking up our cross and following him, walking through this valley of sorrow, walking through this valley of the shadow of death. He is giving us here in his transfiguration a premonition, a flash beforehand before he suffers and dies of the glory of his resurrection. And here, as we walk through this dark shadow ourselves, carrying our cross, he gives us also a flash and a premonition and a light and a image of the glory that is to come. And part of this is to tell us everything else, every other uh, you, can, you can safely give up on pursuing everything else because this has been promised 
to you. You can give up. You can give up on all of the vain pursuits and all of the, uh, all of the consuming stresses and all of the dark anxieties because this light has been promised to you. The goal of your life has been made crystal clear to you. And what has been promised to us is beyond comparison. Listen carefully. We're going to sing all this today. Listen carefully to this, to what we are promising ourselves today, to what we are promising each other as we sing these words today, to what has been promised to us by the Father. Jerusalem the golden, with milk and honey blessed, the promise of salvation, the place of peace and rest. We know not, oh, we know not what joys await us there, the radiancy of glory, the bliss beyond compare. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, which wert and art and evermore shall be. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Now no more can death appall. Now no more the grave enthrall. You have opened paradise and your saints and you shall rise. Alleluia. O sweet and blessed country, the home of God's elect. O sweet and blessed country that faithful hearts expect. In mercy, Jesus, bring us to that eternal rest with you and God the Father and Spirit ever blessed. And in pursuit of this treasure, we should be ready to give up on everything else, to give up and to go for this lasting, eternal, weighty, real glory. There's actually a parable that Jesus tells about this. There's, it's kind of a... It's not one of his more famous parables. It's not one of his more uh, touching and, memor- and kind of personalized parables. But he tells the story like this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like once upon a time, a man discovered that a field had a treasure that was buried within it. He got some insider information that that field out there has a treasure buried within it. And so in order to obtain that treasure, he sold everything else that he had to guarantee that he could buy the field with the treasure in it. Sell all the other fields and buy the one with the treasure in it. Today, Jesus asks before the transfiguration, actually eight days before the transfiguration in the gospel reading for today, Jesus asks his disciples, he says, what are people talking about these days? Who do people say that I am? What do people say that this is all about? 
What is this all about? What are they talking about today? Well, obviously today they're talking about sports. They're talking about booze. They're talking about inflation. They're talking about deflating balloons with million-dollar missiles. They're talking about the train going off the rails and black clouds of poison rising over small Midwestern towns while our heads of state whine about too many white guys in hard hats. That's what they're talking about. And all of that has its importance and its place. But Jesus asked his disciples, who do the crowd say that I am? And the disciples, they answer him. Some people say that you're John the Baptist who has come back from the dead. And others say that you are Elijah or one of the prophets of old have come back from the dead. And if that had been true, if Jesus was John the Baptist who came back from the dead, if Jesus had been Elijah or one of the prophets who came back from the dead, that would be more important than anything else that they're talking about today. If, if those things that, that people were talking about in Jesus' time, about who Jesus was, if those wrong ideas had been true, they would be more important than anything that they are twittering about today. But then Jesus asked his disciples, everyone is saying all of these things, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, the Christ of God. And we are given by grace. We are given by grace. We have been given to say and to confess and to hold in our hearts and to hang on to. We have been given to say what Peter could not yet say. Yes, we say he is the Christ of God. And more than that, we joyfully proclaim that he has he has suffered and been treated shamefully by Jews and Gentiles alike, that he has been cursed for our transgressions, that upon him was the chastisement that brings us peace, and by his wounds we have been healed. His death has atoned for our sin and has turned aside God's anger and wrath, and he has opened to us eternal paradise." Peter wasn't ready to say that part yet, but we are. And later on, Peter can say, we did not, in our second reading for today, he said, we did not follow cleverly devised myths and conspiracy theories when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We are not making this up. This is not a spin. This is not some, this is, and this is not, this story is not to sell you alcohol. When we, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him from heaven, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the mountain. So if you are sick of the cleverly devised myths, if you are tired of the spin, 
if you are worn out with the theories and the counter theories and the endless talking heads, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, says Peter, to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. This week, Lent begins. And during Lent, not only do we rejoice in the truth of the gospel that is proclaimed to us, but we rejoice and we find, uh, we find a certain kind of rest and even fulfillment in cutting off from ourselves all of the, some of those things that distract us and prevent us from paying attention to the word and to the light shining in, in the darkness. We give up things, we put things out of our lives, not because they're evil in themselves, and not because it makes us better than anybody else to give up these things, but we take these things and we put them out of our lives for a time in order to learn how we crave them, which is a good thing to know. If you put something out of your life and you crave it, then you know this thing has power over me. And in order to replace the time and the energy and the attention that we would spend on those things with time and energy and attention dedicated to our salvation, Lent is about giving up not giving up on our vocation, not giving up on God, but giving up on all of the other calling, calling voices that call to us all the time and the sirens that tempt our hearts and giving up on all of the other gods and forces that in our lives that demand so much of us in sacrifice. Jesus says, to those to whom he shows his glory and his transfiguration, he also says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Notice Jesus says daily. So when we Lutherans talk about daily repentance, like that's not, we're not making that up. Jesus says, take up his cross daily. That is today and tomorrow and Tuesday, and on and on. And follow me. For whoever would save his life, whoever would hang on to those other fields, will lose the real thing. And whoever loses his life and sells his field to buy the field that has the treasure in it, whoever does that will save it. What does it, what does it profit a man if he works and he strives inch by inch to come back from certain defeat and fight his way through ed every adversity, what does it profit him if at the end of that struggle, even during the touchdown dance, he loses his own soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels." So, go ahead and give up. Give up 
on these things. Give up and go for the only glory that matters. Within those walls of Zion sounds forth the joyful song as saints join with the angels and all the martyr throng. The prince is ever with them. The daylight is serene. The city of the blessed shines bright in glorious sheen. And around the throne of David, the saints from cares released raise loud their songs of triumph to celebrate the feast. They sing to Christ their leader who conquered in the fight and won for them forever their gleaming robes of white. In Jesus' name, amen.